So my name is Erica Hiragami. I am the founder and CEO at Curator Love, and I'm joined today by two, three awesome individuals who will be presenting themselves now. Hi, how are you doing? I'm Lydia Espinoza. I am an independent curator uh, here in Los Angeles. I also work at a couple different art spaces, like galleries and museums. And, and yeah, I love social media. Let's do this. Summer. Hi, everyone. It's Summer Bernal um, with Love 19 Productions. I do art handling here in Los Angeles, and I'm an event producer. Awesome, Frank. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez with Rarefaction Audio. Um, So I'm I'm the, the art idiot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I come from the music world uh, as a a, uh, songwriter and producer and um, yeah I'm just kind of the odd man out okay so then we're here to discuss today like what it is to live and thrive in the art universe even though we're currently in a pause due to the circumstances of the planet and Frank will act as our voice of reason (laughs) um, because you know Sometimes as curators, art professionals, scholars, we get all into our heads and we start talking about these things that get super complex. So it's good to have someone to bring us down to earth. Thank you, Frank, for doing that. You're welcome. Yay. Thank you, Frank. Thanks. So ladies, tell me, like, what? how has, you know, the current state of the universe impacted your careers? Well, it is definitely put a pause on all aspects. Uh, I think for me, the, my work ended like super quickly. I was like, all of my art spaces were one of the first places to, to be closed due to all of this. So it's like, I really realized how much of my work and my job and my career is like so much about the public and yeah, like people working with people, getting to know them. So yeah, so I realized how much, how important the public is. And like right now, without being able to be engaged with the public, you know, the work has to stop, has to pause. So it's kind of like, that's where we're at. Kind of relooking what that means. Awesome. So what about you, Summer? Where are you at? Um, so right now I've been working with a lot of museums here in Los Angeles and everything's just been put on hold, which it it wasn't real for me until until there was an issue like from the president and then like the mayor, they sent out their official statements. Um, And then that's when the spaces that I've been working at had their staff meetings and said, Hey, like, how are we going to proceed? And the smartest thing to do was to say, Hey, like this work can be put on hold. We can make sure that we're good. We're taking care of our staff so that we can, actually do this a couple of weeks from now or whatever, you know, depending on how long everything takes. Um, And the same thing for me in my own production, I had to talk to the artists that I'm working with and just, you know, be the voice of reason to say, Hey, like, I know this is really important, but let's pay attention to what's going on here because that's my job as a producer. It's to make sure that I'm being responsible and that it's the best outcome, not just, from a production standpoint, but it's like an overall responsibility to what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, Um, I completely agree. I mean, as a curator, right, I pushed all of my projects out a couple of months and there's this uncertainty of time. Like, do we all believe this is going to end in two weeks 
or do we just, you know, take a step and like realize that universities are now thinking that summer is when all of this is going to be over. So mm-hmm. do we start, do we come back in summer or do we continue to like just wait and see what the governments are telling us and, you know, the powers that be and like, do we follow their lead or do we continue working? But then also, I don't know, I'm thinking again, as a curator, your projects don't stop. If the project is in summer, right, you're working on it now. But yeah, how do we even like continue to do what we're doing if there's like all of this anxiety in the air, if everyone is very like concerned about what's happening, if you know, we have all of these problems that we haven't dealt with because we've never been through a pandemic. At least I haven't, I don't know about y'all. But no. what does it mean to right? What does it mean to continue to to work? even though you've got all these anxieties. So like, Frank, does it affect your your side of business the same as it does us? Well, I mean, yeah. So my day job is is doing post-production and basically all the commercials and uh, trailers that you see on TV and movies is what I do. And, um, you know, even though we do have uh, the, the, um, the, essentially the streaming services hulu netflix and all that stuff it um it is basically put us at a halt we're at we're at a we have um a skeleton crew working but i mean we went from like 150 people working all the time to you know a handful you know and that's probably one or two people per department so yeah it's definitely it's definitely hit us pretty hard um luckily you know that our clients are the biggest clients out there and so we can weather this um but you know that's not the case for everyone as you know for especially you know especially the freelancers on our side so i mean you guys are i, I know that you guys are freelancers um because you run your own businesses basically and and that's just i mean that's devastating so i i mean i what i i, I was thinking is like what was it before what was an ideal situation for each one of you like before all of this oh god you know i'm really lucky right that i have my own company so for me, there's always an exhibition. There's always a book coming up. There's always a project. There's always an artist hitting me up. Oh, I have this idea. Let's figure out how to make it happen. And I love that. Like, I think that's the reason why I do what I do because there's so many talented people who I can help achieve something and like learn in the process. But now, you know, our achievements are no longer how do I do an exhibition? Like, people are trying to figure out how they're going to eat next week. So it's very complex. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting time right now because it's like, yes, in the public sphere, we're definitely on pause and, you know, with this lockdown. But I think, you know, we still have all of the ex like resources, I want to say, outside of the public. Like, we still have like, uh, social media we have the you know internet and like connectivity in a different kind of way that I think on a positive note it's like kind of re- looking in intro in inwardly and like thinking of ways to still keep connected and still have like these conversations like instead of um doing them in person and like having maybe the physical part involved it's like now it's like okay we just have to work a little extra harder to like to like write it down, to send those emails, to connect and, and like actually maybe articulate those thoughts a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I kind of find it like a time, a quiet time to reflect, a quiet time to like think. And 
definitely, you know, we have some time to maybe come up with some solutions to get weather this a little bit longer, but also maybe take a little bit of this silence and moment and kind of carry it with us when we do open back up. You know, I think it would be cool to take some of these things that we build, like these, uh, like podcasts and these discussions and definitely like digital presence. I think definitely should be taken from here and then continue through because it's just again giving people more accessibility yeah but who's getting the accessibility right like yeah we're very lucky that we drive what we do like can artists do that i think from uh, if i could chime in my best friend and i have been a little bit more communication since this all happened he's my business partner but he's also like full-time works for png and whenever he's not working, whenever he's on break, whenever he's on his off time, he's being creative. And right now what he's seen and what I feel like we connect with is there's this way in which everyone's creativity is coming out. Like you have to, you have the people that have their nine to five jobs and they have to like be home, figure out how to continue to do their jobs because they're being told to work from home. And it's just like really pulling back layers and getting down to the root of yourself which, you know, takes like love and patience and like all these things that we, I think sometimes take for granted. We're just so busy being on and worrying about ourselves and yes, about our families, but we do it in a way that's so like robotic. And right now I think we're able to come back and, and be compassionate and like realize like we all are in this together and like what's really important. It's not it's not just the financial aspect, but it's like the physical, the emotional, the mental, and like coming back to our communities, which is our own space. It's our family. And then outside of that, you know, and, and how to stay connected without physically being connected, if that makes sense. Yeah. But also like, how do you define togetherness, right? Like Lydia was saying, like, this is the time to all come together to do something. And then we're sitting here thinking, this is the time in which we need to pause to kind of like restructure who we are as people. Mm-hmm. So can we restructure who we are while being together? And also, how do we define togetherness in a time in which we can't be in the same room next to each other? But like, I think for a long time, maybe together was kind of like, we faked it almost because it was just, we were just we just thought maybe just being physically in the same spaces together or just like maybe liking the same thing or like commenting like kind of like a, a very empty comment with kind of like togetherness i think now it was for the long time uh togetherness was always kind of taken for granted and kind of like oh yeah like well i'm gonna be at the same event yeah we're together we're together like yeah 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 but like now it's like we gotta make that extra effort and like what do we really what are the common bonds like what are the common you know missions and like what do we really want to accomplish? Maybe those are things that are bringing us together. What we I love that that you're talking about, like a curated togetherness, right? It's, yeah. it's about intention, right? You guys, I think that's kind of what I'm taking away from what you're saying because it's like just being in the same physical space. It's it's really about quality versus quantity. Yeah, like, we can have one meeting this week with like a handful of people that we care about and actually enjoy and like figure out this very interesting way of communicating um, 
versus like just being at a party together, just being at an event where it is. It's not, it's not, I think all of us, including Francisco, it's like when we go to events, it's like sometimes it's just you have to be there physically, but you don't actually get that true connection with folks um, until afterwards, like a follow up. Oh, or, definitely. You know, yeah. like, yeah, we saw 50 people, but we only really got a chance to connect with one because X, Y, Z. And then there's like, OK, a week from now, two months from now. Hey, it was great to see you. Like, it's about intention. And I think for me anyways, it's it's been months of me recognizing it but then with this it's a lot more keyed in like okay and take some time for yourself so that when you do have that space and when you reach out to people it's very intentional so so yeah i think that's another thing no go ahead i was i was gonna ask i mean i was gonna ask as a layman i mean because i've been to each one of your shows um i I think lydia is the only one that i haven't been to a show and they're excellent I, i love them um so for you as curate, curators and people that put these kind of things together, um, what do you do to create that kind of feeling, the feeling that you have in, in, in each one of your shows? And how could you like now use that, that same mentality, that same uh, aesthetic in this kind of quarantine culture that we're, that we're dealing with right now? Wow, that's an interesting question. I I feel like we all tackle that really differently because our projects are very diverse, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, like we can converge at an exhibition. We bring people to an exhibition opening. We have a discussion in the exhibition. We come around an object to talk about something that matters to us because we're the ones, you know, curating the event. So I think that's what's tricky right now because whatever we produce is objectless. Like there's no art to default back on as mm-hmm. a center of the, the, you know, the conversation. Like the art might live digitally, but it's a little different to conceptualize that than it would be to say, I'm putting it in a gallery, come visit the gallery or the museum or, you know, whatever space it is. But at the same time, I think that ultimately there's a part of the curatorial process in which you're so excited about what you've been working on that, you know, you do reach out to your friends and loved ones and are like, hey, I'm doing this. Let's like all come over. Let's discuss it. Come see it. So I think we need to like work on that more than, you know, sending the list of people the invitation to come over to the event. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like almost like the discussion. Like for me, like hearing that question, like the first thing that came to mind was like discussion, like I always, I love the, I love the discussion. I love when people come together and chat, like even if it's like through an artist talk or even just like one-on-one. And I feel like now what I would bring into here or what I would more focus is that discussion, you know, like, like Erica said, there is no really object to fall back on. There's nothing really, there's no like that awesome ice sculpture in the middle of the party to talk around and congregate around. Now it's like, it's like we have to use all the cool words, all the good words to like describe <laughs> and maybe paint a picture for the audience so that they can glean something from there. And like, there's a provoking of that conversation and have that conversation, have that discussion be what it's about now. That's awesome. What about you, Summer? Getting back to Francisco, what you were saying, mm-hmm. um, I'm still excited about projects that I'm working on. So I think 
as much as this has all hit me with a pause, it's very much something that I'm looking forward to discussing and talking to people about as much as like, it doesn't seem like what's important right now. For me, it's still that sense of like something to look forward to. So as much as there's anxiety and it's like, what's really important right now? It's also, I don't know if hope is the right word that I'm looking for, but it really is. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I love that. Like we have to be present now with what's happening but I've taken this last week to just be within myself because I can feel the energy. It's like, I, I know that maybe like 70% of my family or more isn't working or is working from home and what that means. So that when I have this conversation, when I circle back around and I'm like, Hey guys, like what's going on? It's not just me talking from a place of anxiety and like, Oh, fear and I'm scared because that's human of me. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, this isn't scary. I'm just saying like, oh, I want to stay on the positive side and give you give you the best of myself. And for me, that's like having something to look forward to. Summer just made me almost cry. I love that. I but that's brilliant that. though. Like it's yeah. the reality of life, right? How it are you is. mindful of what you're achieving if you're not mindful of yourself? Right. You guys, seriously. You know, this whole thing happened, what, March, the beginning of March? Sorry, mm-hmm. I could you yeah. Francisco. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying anything important. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, You're funny. I, I was in the middle of, um, I'm going to bring my mama into this. My mother's anniversary is March the 12th. And at the beginning of March, I do this thing. And it's always different. It varies. There's no real formula to it, except for, I know my mom's anniversary is coming. And I've lived my life in a way that all these things I know affect me, but what's the most that I could do with it? And like, how can I feel, but not let it affect me in a way that I can't be productive, like be in your feelings, feel what you got to do, but then know you got to move forward. Like ever since my mom passed away, it was like, be okay with not being okay, but then do something about it. and like. It's not just survival. It's like, I really want to become a better person by this experience, you know? So when the statement started coming out and everything else, I was pretty much at the end of my mark with what I wanted to say um, about my mom's anniversary date. And it's not anything, I put a little bit more out, I feel, this time than maybe times prior. But it was like during the one of the biggest challenges of my life, I was able to look inward and look around me and just have faith and move forward. Like I had to be optimistic because like my world as I knew it, the one person that was like my biggest cheerleader and my strength, my pillar was gone from me physically. So I always kind of look back at that moment in my life when I'm going through something and not to say that things aren't hard and I don't have my breakdown moments. But when I come back to it, I'm like, I went through that. So from there, where can I go? Like, I have so much else to look forward to. And it was on the day of her anniversary that I decided to put something out. And because I feel that that was my responsibility. Like I'm here wanting to go through with the project that's mine while the world is kind of falling apart, you know? And because people do pay attention, whether they acknowledge it or not, I didn't want to 
stop in the middle of something that meant something to me because that was what I had to look forward to. So during like the peak of them announcing things, I'm like, wait a minute, what does this mean to me? And it's like giving that message to my friends and family and the support system that I've had. And to say like, you guys right now, things don't seem okay, but they're going to be like one way or another, no matter what, like we have to find our strength, find what's important to us and really hold on to that so that we can like look ahead and not just like see doom, but see like, all right, you guys, there really is like a rainbow after the storm sort of thing. Um, so that was really important for me. And it was just, it was a reminder of like, this is, this is how I'm going to move forward and what I have to give to the world right now. Like, let's start here. That's so beautiful. Like, and deep and thoughtful. And and sorry for your loss, by the way. Yeah. Thank you guys. I mean, love, sending love and light. (laughs) Thank you. I love this. It makes us who we are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're human. Sending love and light to everybody. (laughs) And this time, everyone needs it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But there's still this, um, in what Summer just said, right? There's this Mm -hmm. concept of like, it's okay to be now because something better will come in the future. And though I completely like acknowledge all of the rightness and beauty in that, what do you do in the now? Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. Like you're preparing for this, like you have this hope in the future and everything is going to be okay. And you're going to work through it. But in the today, like what are the steps to do today and how do you continue to move forward to obviously this moment that hope keeps you moving towards the future, but what do you do in the now to get to that future? Hmm. It's kind of like what I've been thinking about, right? I've been thinking of a lot of different things in this whole social distancing scenario, yeah, but one of them is definitely like what matters most to do while we're kind of at a pause. Because I'm with Summer, I believe in, that there's hope in the future. I believe we're going to get through this, and we're all going to do it in a healthy, good way, mm-hmm. and we're going to be better for it. But how do we prepare to be better? Like, what are those steps to do? I, you know, I, I know for for me personally, it's been. Um, it's crazy because I didn't think this is what I was doing. And it's so, so, so simple as like taking care of things that you thought you were like, were nothing. So I had a big old stack of copies of divorce papers, which I've been lugging around from house to house in the past, you know, five, six years. One does um, archives. (laughs) Exactly. Archives. But at a certain point, like it, it does become that weight around your neck. It does become, you know, that thing that, that your cross that you're carrying basically. Um, so I, I think it's, I think the biggest thing is for me has been kind of clearing that out. And so I, I, I shared a stupid little post yesterday about, about taking a bunch of paper that I've been carrying around and making it into like pads so I can write and create. And so, and one of, one of my friends was like, you just, tra- was it trans transfigured trans I can't remember what she said. Basically, but I transferred the energy from from one to another. So I think that's the biggest thing is first realizing what energy you're carrying, at be even being aware that you're carrying anything, and then taking that and turning it into something that actually will work for you. I don't know. That's yeah. But the, also, let's acknowledge. And as a scholar, I understand that I tackle things differently and think about 
you know, a sentence becomes a word and the word becomes a, a, like a, an essay. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. still working around an object. Like there were still divorce mm-hmm. papers that you had to transform in order to move past it. Yeah. And we are now at a place in which, you know, if I'm looking at a flower, like Lydia's not looking at the same flower and Summer hasn't even seen the flower yet. So then. But I want a picture of it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like that is how we're going to have to start thinking about objectivity. Hmm. But in the art world, right, the art world revolves around objects and we bestow Hmm. all of this knowledge on them. Like when we're doing an exhibition, it's not really just about the painting. It's about the painting's meaning. It's about what the artist you know, was thinking about when he was making it. It's about what we understood when we saw it. It's about telling people what we had a conversation with the artist about. Like, it becomes about all of these other things. But there's still something that centers everything. And now we're at a moment in which that thing that centers us all is no longer in the same space for all of us. So, like, how would you move past, you know, this divorce paper transcendence if there were no papers? Ouch. See, like it's this like really eclectic space of thinking of art, which is just, you know, maybe I'm just way too conceptual. I don't know. No, (laughs) I think he has has a physical thing right there in front of him. Not Mm -hmm. everyone does, though. So if you and I'm sure each of us has like a loved one, a friend, someone we're seeing, someone we're not seeing. (laughs) all these different situations and it's like what's important to every person and it's like for Francisco that's like a physical um something that he's seen and hasn't seen and has been carrying around with him that is energy that he realizes like you know what this is taking up space and I could do something about it other people don't necessarily have that physical thing in front of them but it's it's showing up in other ways and you could see it when you have conversations and it's each of us has been hit with the different moment in our lives of like what our work looks like what okay you're not working yeah well I need to find another way to to make money and it's like you do realize the whole world stopped and like they're telling us not to go out unless we have to and now you want to put yourself in that position because like ev- like what what else is important to you so if you look around you it's like for me as soon as things started getting real I'm like all right well I'll do the social distancing but I'm still going to go to the store one to get groceries and stuff for my family, for my aunt that's, you know, 70 years old for my neighbor that always shows up for me. Like he's literally, I can pick up his medicine. Like right now is my time to do what I can for like my little circle. just even within the, you know, my five mile radius, because that's keeping me sane. And that's, what's important to me. I'm not going to turn around and go get a job where I'm going to be in contact with 500 people and have my little aunt worry about me. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, I, completely I don't know if it makes sense, but it's like no, our it priorities are, are so different and they show up in different ways. So typically I wouldn't talk about those things that I'm doing. I mean, I'm just making an example out of like what's showing up for us and what's important. No, and I agree with you. Francisco's yeah. is showing up in the, in this thing where it's like, whether he knows or not, like, him taking care of himself is really taking care of that stack of photos. For me, it's being such a social butterfly that I didn't realize it until I have to actually stay home. And the only place I can go to is to the market, <laughs> maybe. And that's it. You yeah, know? Like, maybe I'm lucky. If, yeah, if I can, then that's what I'm doing. And it's <laughs> like, for you, Erica and Lydia, it's like, you guys work in spaces where you have to talk to people all the time. And so, you know, so do I. Like, 
what's important to us is really showing up right now and showing up with the people in our lives. And it's like just observing and taking those things in. Um, and they all come in different forms. Okay. So then how do we extrapolate that and like place it upon, you know, this concept of a shattered art world that we're living in because nothing works the same anymore, right? Like museums are not open. Galleries are closed. Artists are retreating to their studios. You know, we can't go do studio visits. Um, things are very different we? right now. <laughs> Elaborate. I mean, no, I don't think we're supposed to. <laughs> we're supposed to like maybe maintain contact with only the people that we have. And as long as they're not maintaining contact with people, I don't know. It's kind of like, just keep to yourself if you can. That's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely not like doing a physical um, city event. And I do not mean that at all. <laughs> oh, I mean, then, like, like FaceTime. Yeah, I, all about that. I love FaceTime. This is true. You do love FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah, like literally taking FaceTime to a whole different level. Like, yeah, before we were doing physical FaceTime. Now we got to start thinking about digital FaceTime. And I think, I mean, one way to get through this or what can we do now? I think it's like really continuing the practice that we have or continuing continuing those conversations. Like, I'm really interested in still like, Keep keeping up those convos with those artists like still kind of like yeah like studio visits but in a different way we're reimagining them and I think it's important to kind of to take the technology that we do have right now like we are in a point where we have things like FaceTime we have you know IG live we have um you know all these cool video chat platform things that I know we always would joke about and occasionally would have to use for some random thing. But I think now it's the time to take advantage of those things because it not only brings us together, like to have like communicate and hear each other, but I think it's to continue those conversations. And like in a territorial practice, it's like, you still want to do that research because granted we're going through something right now, but there's still a lot more we can talk about the issues that we had before this started are still issues that we're going through now and then I think still need to be tackled um you know we still have all these statements that we that we are so valid I mean granted they're going to be a little bit changed because of our current experience which happens change is natural um but we just kind of take that in consideration and and still have these conversations still reach out to those artists still Think about all the projects that we have going on. It's just kind of like reimagining them. Um, and then now we have things like when it comes to the arts, like we have the uh, viewing rooms, like digital viewing rooms. What does that look like? What does that mean? Is this something we just want to do in the time being? Or is this something we want to do in addition to our physical shows in the future? Um, you know, again, it goes back to the accessibility and keeping and connectivity. There you go. You bring up a great point, though, about the digital, because we're seeing how so much is being brought out. There's um, a woman, Natalia Sanchez, I believe, that I've been in, that I connected with this past year. And it's like she's putting up all the links to like all the museums that are doing the virtual tours and other friends are putting out like, oh, the library is like all these books are free and realizing like all this access that we didn't know we could have or wasn't given to us is now like, Hey guys, here you go. And so it brings up that question of like, well now only because we're not able to get to you in a physical space, like 
I know when I'm introduced to something, it makes me want to see it even more. And maybe the people in those spaces and those institutions needed this to realize it. Like you guys give access to the people that might not have it and give them something to look forward to. Okay. But now I have to play devil's advocate, right. And think of like my grandma because we're here in like, and I, I think about privilege a lot in my practice. So like we're here in a super privileged millennial space in which all four of us are super comfortable with technology and what the universe has given us to be technologically savvy about. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean that if you're not a millennial, you're not going to thrive in the new art world? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure you all have worked with, you know, artists who are late in their 60s, later in their 70s. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this applies to everyone, right? There's like, there's old elderly people who are like much you know more tech savvy than I am in many regards but you know you do still have a need to consume technology and we have generations right after generation x who are super uncomfortable even going online Mm -hmm. so then like how do you start conceiving of public in an era in which the tools we have to connect to this public are very limited to a certain you know age range for instance or you know if we want to make it an economical thing what about the people who don't have access to technology like yeah granted everyone on the planet believes everyone has an iphone but that mm-hmm. is not the truth of everyone no, that's not, yeah and that's even true. if you have an iphone what if you don't have the plan to pay for like the facetiming because you know data is extra so and yeah. you see mm-hmm. that's where community and co- uh, connectivity i think falls into because we're quarantine but it's like some of us get to share a space with another person and it's really going back to what it looked like just a couple years back I mean I'm not giving the right timeline but when I started thinking of things I was like cool if you have food water like our actual essentials if I needed to walk to my aunt I could like yeah my car is quote-unquote essential to me but it's also like there's ways around it. There was a time before we had our iPhones and that wasn't that long ago. And we've experienced that. Like, I think we're all old enough that we came to a place where it's like computers. You remember using like the dinosaur, like MC, what is it? MC DOS? MS DOS. Yeah. We didn't have what we have now. Like there was a Thomas guide. Like we got to play outside. Yeah, the Thomas guide. And, and that creativity got us to where we are now. So again, like I say, get back to our roots. And that's what, like, we are in 2020 and the internet and all these things are like what we're used to. But our elders, like, come from spaces where all of that is a luxury. It's like not an essential tool for them. I think the essentials are hopefully maybe having a phone line or them having a neighbor that they can smile at. For me, the essentials and like the most important parts that's come out of all of this is being able to be connected. That's it. Whether it's literally stepping outside and smiling at that person because you're supposed to stay six feet away from them, but still just going back to that, going back to being human and like, this is where we are. Not everything else we were talking about you know okay so then how do we produce culture in an era in which you know humanity is the most important thing to a public that potentially can't see what we're doing 
And if we're going back to the basics, is it our job to have this conversation digitally for the millennial and also our job to have it, you know, outside of the digital realm for someone else? And if so, what does that even look like? Print is important. I don't That's know what I was going to say. I agree. <laughs> started saying print is dead. No, you guys. So we're making I books. Love my book. Like, print is coming back, y'all. Print is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're publishing more books. We're doing online yes. exhibitions. We're keeping it social. So I, I think, God. I think mm-hmm. the, the next thing that, that I was, I was just thinking about right now is, um, in each of your practices, what is the one thing that you're afraid that is going to go away? I mean, we're talking about, we're, we're talking about, you know, this going back to, to where we were back in the days of print and all that stuff. But what do you, what's the one thing that makes you cringe when you think of like, that's going to go away after this? No, I think, Okay, not to dismiss the question. Like, I think it's a very valid and important question. But for me, I'm not thinking of what I'm losing in as much as what I'm gaining. Mm. Mm-hmm. So something that's very... Can we do the little poetry snap? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right, snap, 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 snap. No, but like something that I think about a lot is like brown bodies in white spaces, right? So like the Latino community inside of a museum and how we don't feel comfortable in there. So... For me, the fact that the museum is now closed makes it so that I no longer have to worry about getting the brown body into the white space. Um, but I think that if you know, if we all get together right now to start thinking about these things in unison, then we have the potential to come out of it with a better groundwork for whatever the next system is going to be. And I'm very hopeful that the next system won't be as classist, won't be as racist. I mean, I know people still will be, sadly. Mm -hmm. But I'm hopeful that, you know, if the museum model obviously didn't work, otherwise it would be fully functional now, or some portion of it would be fully functional now. Um, But I want to hope that whatever we conceive of in the future won't have this same problem of like the brown body not being comfortable in the white space. Yes, please. Right. Mm -hmm. But that could just be my hope and dream. Seriously. That'd be amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Well, I don't don't know if I'm going to be losing anything after COVID. I think it's going to be the complete opposite. I think because we are in such isolations and we don't have that, the ability to see things and see people and discuss in person and, the art in our for our own selves with our own eyes i think that we're gonna have a, a, a different reaction and that everybody's gonna want to go back into these spaces you know i think that right now everybody's reflecting on oh man i wish i would have seen that show oh i wish i you know could have done that oh i missed that you just kind of like when you get fomo after you you know after an event closes or a show closes you're like oh i wish i could have seen it like and especially if you hear about it after from somebody else that was like really great, you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I was there. I think that maybe people will find that they miss that and will want to get back into the spaces, will want to make an effort to go and just be in that experience again. I hope that, you know, spaces in turn open and are welcoming because. I think as I've seen over the years is one thing is a, that changes is like audience. You want to make sure that you reach your, your audience, that you reach as many people and especially the community. Like 
every time I do a project, I always think of the community of which, like, where the, where the project is, the community that surrounds it, and, like, who the audience is. It's like, you want to make sure you include those people. And I do see sometimes that sometimes those audiences are lost from time to time and like that's just a bummer like it shouldn't just be for one exclusive people Mm -hmm. I think it's like and it's just like education or knowledge that it could be for everybody so I just hope after this it's kind of like maybe like a recharge maybe like a boost that it and people are inspired and motivated to want to go out and and see things and engage again and then likewise spaces are welcoming and open to people and want to see the faces and maybe that sparks a different kind of uh relationship and i think Uh, it's also a part of like the curators and the producers also to kind of take that into consideration and kind of strike at this moment kind of like use this momentum as like yes let's let's merge that let's bring this this fervor um, from being in isolation so long, let's let's bring that fervor out and and connect. Again, yeah, I don't necessarily see it as so much what's to lose. I think in the bigger sense, for me, it would be like to lose a sense of urgency um, and what's important and what's not. And because it because it comes back to what's really important. Because when our work was put on pause and it was because there was like uh, it was mandatory. It's realizing like you guys were not that replaceable in this moment. You guys are telling us to be safe, but at the same time, you have to understand the different layers and levels that it takes to get things done. It's just keying back to like what's important and taking that and making something of it. It's for me, it's definitely momentum. It's like circling back. It's like conversations that I get to have with some of the people that are closest to me. And understanding like where they're at and understanding institutions and the artists I work with, the clients that I have, and and just taking the time to actually sit with that. That way, when we do these shows, when we go back to these institutions, it's like there's a sense of gratitude. And so for me, it just circles back to like, I'm looking forward to... You were asking if I was scared of a loss, but I'm actually looking forward to the loss of of people taking things for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't scare me. I'm actually looking forward to people showing up and showing gratitude and being thankful, you know, for the, the janitors that are still holding it down at the museums, you know, while we're still open. The, the people that we kind of just pass by and like, and aren't realizing like you guys, like, it, you know, that whole essential, not essential worker thing. It's like, we're, we're still able to go to the grocery store to get the supplies that we need as of right now to stock up and just to feel like we're going to be okay for a couple of weeks. So for me, it's, I'm looking forward to the, to the loss of people not being grateful. <laughs> I love that. And, and yeah. circling back to gratitude. Yeah, leave it to me to be like, what are you guys missing? I'm, I'm like, you guys are awesome. You know what, though? Like, in this question, like, I would cringe if we all took a month to acknowledge how, like, flawed the system is and we came out on the other side and did it all over again. 
Right? Like if nobody took this time to pause and to reflect and to think and like business went back to like straight as usual, that would be such a disaster for Mm. me. Totally. I totally, totally, I feel the same like way because I think of like in terms of like, like everyday things are like the pollution, like, you know, you've been seeing things uh, on the news, like how Italy's canals uh, or like Venice's canals are clear and, you know, like a dolphin appeared. So like once in like since six, it's been like 60 what? years or something <laughs> and, you know, like the skies are clear and I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, that is great. You know, we're making uh, some strides. But at the reverse, I'm like, oh, well, great. So how long is it? will it be till it goes back to exactly the same way? Like once we all crowd back out into the public and start driving and, you know, using plastic bottles, I was like, how long will it be? Or like, how long do we have to cherish that before it goes right back to what it was before? And just like you were saying, Erica, like how long, like what if we come out and it's exactly the same back to business back to business as yeah that would be so heartbreaking yeah yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, do you guys really think it could go i mean yeah it can go back i think that if we're sitting I think here all of our thinking, perspectives i mean mm-hmm. if we're sitting here thinking that you know if nobody acknowledges that the problem is capitalism and you know i'm not here <laughs> to say that we need a new economic system though i think we do but if we don't acknowledge like all of the flaws that we bring into that system, then we're going to come back and just be all like, Ooh, we need to make more money. Ooh, we need, you know, the blue chip gallery needs to show the blue chip artists that everything is going to continue to trickle in the same way. And then yeah. that is going to be very problematic because we're seeing right now that ultimately we can live without capitalism. Mm-hmm. And what we can't live with is, helping each other and the sense of community and like, you know, being there for each other and like all of these things that we kind of forget in the middle of like day-to-day life. Yeah. But I don't know. I also think sometimes that I'm like super idealist. Sorry, Olivia, (laughs) you wanted to say. Oh, uh, that's fine. I was just kind of like going on your same, uh, your same vibe of like, maybe it is up to us, the ones that do recognize this to kind of like take this momentum and take, what we're feeling or what, you know, this, the change that we see, I guess it's like, okay, we could take this into our practice. You know, maybe it is like start sparking. Maybe it is that spark to, to, to make sure that when we come out of this, when we come out of the house, that we don't go back to saying, to doing the same thing, doing all this, all this, the, all the things we did before with the same way, you know? Agreed. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I think it's just little by little and it starts with us. Right. And you guys want to talk about like the pollution and the bottles and it's just like little shifts that we can do that end up making a big difference. And I think hopefully that's what this is teaching us. Like from our daily routine, you know, taking care of our physical well-being and our mental well-being and our emotional well-being like all the things that are being brought up and realizing how important that is for us to be able to actually function you know as in in the bigger picture definitely yeah definitely yeah i think one of those things that was like a super big heartbreak for me when all of this began was the way in which you know able-bodied capable humans were like cannibalizing resources And like, that's, you know, part of the reason why I'm like thinking about, well, how do we create culture for every other person, not just for like, you know, your typical gallery opening goer or like the person who's always at the museum, like what about everybody else? 
And yeah. especially now, since we don't have access to the tools we're used to dealing with. But then, you know, in thinking that the system is what's wrong, then is the art system the one that's not allowing us to create now? Like, is that system also flawed? And if so, how do we start thinking of creating now from within its pause to create something better when we're done with this? I think it's been keeping that in motion, like kind of keeping that that thought and sentiment. I mean, I know we talk a lot about like keeping in mind the community, but I feel like we always take for granted the community is always accessible because of being, you know, able to go out and about. Um, so I think it is. It puts us. I think it puts us in a very challenging position because it's like we want to do the most. So we forget that when we do the most, our normal most is just like relying on all the same tools. Yeah. Um, I think you guys are talking about doing the most. I think the digital platforms is really something that's at the forefront. And like when we talk about access, it's thinking of how we can take these things to different spaces. And when you think of our elders and we think of like other communities, it's like, well, then what's our outreach? What are we actually doing about it? How can we get these um, exhibitions and, and just information and really take it to where we feel like people aren't seeing it because they don't have that access. And it's thinking, it's thinking bigger than just our bubble that we're used to, you know? I definitely agree. So I think the digital platform is definitely like a blessing. It's, it's like, it's a catch 22 at times, right? It's like, Oh, I open up my Facebook and I see the algorithms and I'm like, Oh, I love digital and I hate it because of that, because (laughs) it is very like soul sucking sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to see the positive and the negative and and figure out a balance and be like, okay, well, this community isn't getting that access. Well, why not? Well, because they don't necessarily have the funds to make it from the East side to the West side. And we think that's crazy, but it's so true. Like, So let's take the West side to the East side. And what that means is like showing up and wanting to do the work. Definitely. No, I keep on thinking that I'm asking this question backwards, right? Because the art world is, you know, highly bureaucratic. Like everything is very hierarchical. And Mm -hmm. we're still looking at the model in order to understand how to thrive outside of it. But then you know, this model for the longest of times has not been accessible to people of color, has not been, you know, um, at the forefront of, you know, non-abled bodies. Like there's a lot of communities that are outside of this model that we continue to work with. So then how have all of these other communities been, you know, consuming culture in a way that was outside of this system that we are always like, producing for and maybe we need to learn from that to move forward right yeah yeah definitely I think it's a conversation I you make a really good point I think it's like maybe it's well definitely the sign is pointing to like we got to reach out and like have the conversation with these communities and and take tips from them almost because they are sustaining in a way that is outside of the system and and then also approaching new projects approaching future endeavors endeavors with those people in mind for sure like instead of what the traditional norm would be it's like no keep it like 
particularly keep it for them. Like think of them first and foremost and how to engage them and then and then go from there. Like them be But the that prime still audience. continues to be like an exterior thing, right? Like yeah. I'm here producing from a point of privilege to an other that doesn't have access to what I'm doing as opposed to I am learning from this other and creating a community with this other. And right. we're both producing knowledge that can, you know, reach all of our communities. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm like stuck in this. What does it even mean to be a curator if, you know, being a curator is like so complicated and so bestowed with like all this hierarchy and privilege? Well, that's and, that's all I can yeah. think about right now is like I, when I think of you, what you guys do, because it's like, you know, the the, the guy, what's the name? The, the, from the Wizard of Oz, the whatever the, the the wizard the wizards behind the curtain i never thought about how much you guys think of the people that are actually going to this I, I when i think of what you guys do i think of oh you guys talk to the artist the artist you get them a show and people show up but i didn't think about how much you guys are thinking about the people that are showing up to the shows see that's one thing that is a really great conversation to have between us right because if mm-hmm. you're talking about a museum curator who, you know, works at an institution with a staff of 30 helping her productions, there are people there thinking about community and how to engage others. It's not the curator's per- like job at that like level of curatorial. Mm-hmm. But here, right, I do exhibitions at small galleries just as much as I do exhibitions at bigger spaces, like, and so do Summer and Lydia. So for us, it's not always just the, yeah, we have a, a, st- a team of 50 people that are going to engage a community. Sometimes it defaults to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then it's interesting to think about all of these things, you know, all of these super complicated questions, but also try to do it without this, like, I'm doing for someone, which is mm. like such a curatorial problem. Hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, I love that. I really love that. I mean, I love the idea that, 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 I mean, I know, I know you're talking about uh, what you guys do as, you know, freelancers as, as self practices versus a museum, but I, I kind of love that you guys are doing that. I think that's amazing. Ladies. It's like bringing people, <laughs> Thank people you. together. Ladies, Thank you. ladies, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Uh, I, sorry. I'm, I'm totally Mexican machismo. <laughs> I think we're also all in a very special position that we are naturally outside of this system and that we all naturally think of the community first, you know, I think, yeah, you know, we don't see it as real and and honest. And so I think we kind of put ourselves in that position to want to think about that and try to make our projects about it. But I also think it has to do with the fact that at some point or other, Right. We are not the community. We are not the people that the institutions are first and foremost producing for. And that is a problem that we see. Like, you know, my Mm. my family is rarely at a museum. Like I Mm. love going, but everyone's like, why? So (laughs) you do have like people in, you know, your immediacy that are not welcome in these spaces. So then it makes you think of it differently. Yeah, that's very true. And I think it's important that we get ourselves into those um, spaces because in turn we can bring others like us into the spaces. Also, alternatively, I was just thinking, it's like maybe redefining the spaces 
maybe creating our own spaces. Like, what's the harm in creating a new museum or a new gallery? I mean, granted, mm-hmm. there we have a few already, but I mean, what's wrong with creating a, a new one, a new and different one? And, and when you guys agreed. were talking about that, mm-hmm. creating a new space, I think um, there's a collective of uh, a few friends and I, and we try to do shows every every couple years and when all this started happening they're like hey our next show like it needs to be everyday things we took for granted and i think that that, i think Mm, that's that's a theme that hopefully is going to come out of this because we're seeing everyone appreciate and respect the people that and the, the people and the things that we've taken for granted you know like there's been different movements of different things and it's like y'all you forget that some of the people that are holding it down now that we're looking forward to are just the grocery store workers. Yeah. The police officers and the nurses and the people that like don't necessarily get to break right now. And Mm -hmm. something as simple as like hugging our loved one, because maybe we didn't grow up with that. And you only hug on special occasions or it's like, um, it's being in communication with people and just realizing right now we all have the time to do that. Like, and I think hopefully this this will play into that and not just in the galleries and like people like us that get to open up spaces and like create it, but in the institutions, hopefully it's an epiphany and it, it's a breakthrough moment where it's like, maybe we have to start curating our shows with more intention and like messages that show that we're, we're strong people and to actually show the history for what it is, you know? Like the history that makes us who we are and the strong beings that are going to, you know, move forward from this. Mm. I love that, like, overall, we've been talking about how we're hopeful that, you know, this will serve to recalibrate the art world and just the world in general. I think there's something intriguing about, you know, this very, like, notion of hopefulness and, like, how we're, you know, all very excited about what's coming next. As opposed to, like, you know, in this, like, mad panic because the universe is not functioning correctly. Mm-hmm. So, like, I love that. And I think this is, like, a really good place to, like, pause and, like, you know, conclude this chapter of conversation and, like, more to come for sure. But thank you, ladies, so much for, like, you You're know. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Frank, Yay. so much for helping no. us yes. as well. Yes, Frank, you are you're amazing. Thank you for Absolutely being a part no of this problem. and for asking us the hard questions.